Welcome to the latest episode of the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preferences. In this episode, we talk about social media. Is it an irredeemable trap that leverages our idleness and idolatry, or is it a necessary tool to meet people where they are with the good news of Jesus? Let's get salty. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. My name is Dan. And today, we are talking about to social or not to social. And if you stick around long enough for our personal preferences segment, you will hear about the million-dollar investment strategies that Pastor Dan Williams employs and whether or not cryptocurrency is included in his portfolio. Millionaire investor in 24 hours or less. Yep. So if nothing else, stick around for that. Uh, But specifically today, we're talking about the big idea of social media. It's a huge topic, um, but it is one in which we got to figure out how to how to deal with it. It's not going anywhere. It's a part of our everyday life. And recently, a homeless looking man named Jack Dorsey. Do you know who Jack Dorsey is, Dan? I think I do. Uh, Didn't he? Isn't he? Also someone who was expelled from his own company. He looks like he was expelled from his home and all <laughs> normal living because he's he got a, quite the scraggly facial hair as he's testifying before Congress. But he's the CEO of Twitter and Square. And um, he has recently come back into the news for an, an odd reason and that he is selling his first tweet for $2.5 million. Wow, so so that's not his first tweet, right? Isn't it? Is it Twitter's first tweet? No, his first oh, tweet. He's selling his first okay. tweet for two point five million dollars in the form of a non fungible token. And if you don't Which know, is like what, what that a means, digital screenshot it, or something. It's like a it's like kind of a piece of cryptocurrency. Oh, so if you don't know what that is, Google it. Uh, but you'll learn all about cryptocurrency and millionaire making portfolios uh, at the end but that's kind of i mean it's kind of bizarre that the very first tweet is now going to sell for two and a half million dollars that's how far we've come in the kind of the advancement of social media in our everyday lives and to think that a tweet is worth two and a half million bucks i should tweet more i should have tweeted more that should have been my investment (laughs) strategy all along i could have made at least two dollars and fifty cents on my first tweet but um and so we're gonna talk about we're talking about social media today and and whether or not or how our, how what our approach is to social media as yeah. committed followers of Jesus and whether or not we jump in and engage it or whether or not it's an irredeemable poison to our mm-hmm. society that is irredeemable. Yeah. And so I think it's important to make sure that you know on the front end, we got to kind of lay out some definitions. We're not talking really about smartphone or device usage right, specifically. Right. We're talking specifically about the applications on those smartphones and devices such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok. Yeah, those. we're basically talking about those things in which you scroll. Correct. And yeah. scroll. Yep. And scroll, yeah. And so we're not talking specifically about device usage. But um, the question is, to social or not to social? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a normal uh, behavior no, does not seem abnormal. It seems abnormal to discover someone isn't social media uh, consumer, right? Um, and obviously, if you want to know what's going on with your friends, family, coworkers, gym members, and teammates, or church family, you can find out on social media. It's pretty normal and pretty easy. Yep. I, ironically, we've normalized stalking. Facebook that's right. That's right. It's even it's, encouraged. That's right. But that's when it, on one side of this debate, as well as we look at both sides of it, it's it's like yeah, this is a this is a normal everyday part of our daily lives now, right. and that's kind of bears out in some pretty staggering statistics. So if you like numbers and statistics, we got a bunch for you today. But first of all, it did you know that ninety percent of people ages eighteen to twenty percent have a social media account? Ninety percent. Yeah, that you won't find many statistics that that begin at ninety, right? right? There's yeah. very few things that you can discover about people in our culture that say ninety percent of anybody does anything. That's right. So it's very high, very high percentage. Ninety-two percent of teens are on social media daily. Wow. So wow. Ninety-two percent, and then this is 
crazy in that one in five teens checks or sends messages in the middle of the night. <laughs> so they wake themselves up to check their device oh and to send goodness. a message or check it in the middle of the night. Um, so that's a, it's a lot of people who are using it and a lot of people who are engaging it regularly. Also, Facebook... 1.6 billion daily active users. Right. So let's let's be clear. Not 1.6 billion subscribers no. or members. Right. Daily active right. users, which is kind of how you measure success wow. of an application. And and those 1.6 billion daily active users spend an average of 58 minutes a day on Facebook. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's amazing. Shocking. Now when I when I when I snicker like that, does it come off smug? Yeah, it sounds like you're judging the people no, who love no, Facebook. I'm All just, they're doing is I, checking up on their friends and their family and encouraging know, one I know, another. But I have a I have a it's not a smug snicker, I have a shock snicker. Yeah. When I'm shocked it's a snicker. Yeah. It's <laughs> so please don't take offense if yeah, you're listening yeah, to yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh one of Facebook the parent companies companies, Instagram, they have one billion monthly active users and they spend an average of thirty minutes a day. That sounds low. From personal experience, you're saying? No, it just generally sounds yeah. low. 30 minutes. Yeah, that, that endless scroll fast. gets you. Yeah. yeah. Um, from an advertising perspective, um, advertisers, they see uh, Instagram specifically, they can reach um, youth ages 13 to 17. Instagram can reach 83 million of the, that demographic. Facebook can reach 123 million oh of that demographic. Gosh. And Snapchat can reach 92 million of that demographic. And teenagers. I wonder what TikTok's advertising is now. It's got to be the same. Yeah. I mean, these are the, the Snapchat being a publicly traded company. They kind of track their advertising gotcha. stuff a little bit more closely. But so it's a wow. it's a huge market f- for our teenagers, ages 13 through 17. Um, and so this is kind of indicative of the fact that this is everyone is there. And so the question isn't, are people using it? Right. And the question isn't, um, is this predominantly um, a mainstream cultural phenomenon? Right. That's already that that's already determined. Yeah, that is it, when you have 90 percent of 18 to 29 year olds and 92 percent of teens right. on social media at some point. Um, yeah, they're they're there. I think it's a fact that 60 percent of those teens probably don't brush their teeth. Yeah. They, they so spend this more is, time checking their messages. That's right. That's yes. right. If you're a teenager, I am sorry for my <laughs> patriot over here. Another insult. To, uh, but yeah, it's a, and so the question then becomes: Well, how do we deal with this? It's right. a it's a normal. Well, this whole point of this podcast is: What does it look like to to salt our perspective on politics, pop culture, and personal preferences? So how do we how do we approach social media as as devoted followers of Jesus? And there's kind of two different approaches. Right there's the we're gonna go there and embrace it because that's where people are and our call as missionaries is to bring the good news of Jesus and engage people where they are. Um, you know, people like Paul, the Apostle Paul, preaching in the marketplace in Acts mm-hmm. 17. He didn't just say, "Well, it's pretty." Yeah, he didn't protest the marketplace right, and exactly. say we all should, as believers, be withdrawing from the marketplace. Right? right? Yeah. He said the marketplace is where everybody right. is currently gathering and functioning. So. We're in the marketplace sharing our lives with marketplace people. So yep. that, that, that does present a similar parallel. Yep. So that's one, one approach. The other approach is, you know, is it so poisonous and so irredeemable when mm-hmm. you look at the way that it's constructed and what it's designed to do? Should we be people who are calling everyone out of it right. to essentially some proponents would say, out of the pseudo-reality of social media back into the reality of, of real life. And so those are the two different opposing viewpoints of how do and we salt our culture when it comes exactly. to social media. Exactly, and, you know, and that's a, it's such a crucial question for parents, right? I'm sure that if you're a conscientious, serious, engaged parent, you probably either have already battled through this and decided, or it's a constant distressor or um, strain to try to figure out should it be rejected poisonous style you know uh, category or should it be uh, is there a way to redeem it or to be engaged in a way that is um, helpful or um, in, in 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 at least some way missional right right yep. and I think there's a there is a generational divide in this conversation and you and I might be a little bit beyond the the demographic of this is where you where we live right, right. My, my yours definitely mm-hmm. <laughs> Generation X. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me, I'm kind of in the middle of, depending upon your definition of a millennial, 
Um, but um, even at 39 years old, I, I, I think I'm a little bit beyond the, the teenagers and the, and the, the early 20s and determining, well, this is where people live. And so the question is, well, what do we do? Yeah. And so I think to start with, I think let's look at the one side that says it's poisonous and it should be rejected. And then we will we'll take a look and say, well, maybe, maybe not. How do we actually engage it potentially? Yeah. Right. So have you seen the that little uh, little ditty called The Social Dilemma on Netflix? You know, I'm halfway through it. Okay, good. I'm halfway through it. And um, it's already got my blood pressure. I mean, I thought I was going to sit back, relax, and watch a typically relaxing documentary. But instantly the blood pressure goes up because of what they're saying about right. what our kids are engaged in. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, Social Dilemma, it's on Netflix, but there's also a bunch of other YouTube clips of some really prominent um, executives who are a part of the creation of things like Facebook and Instagram. And and they describe some of the underpinnings and foundational things that, they, that social media was designed to do that kind of give us an indication of that might have provided some insight to say, well, you know what, maybe it is poisonous and maybe it should be rejected and maybe our primary approach should be calling people out of it. Yeah, they have strong opinions. Yeah, they're not, they don't mince words either, yeah. And they're not casual onlookers who are advocating for conscientious parenting. They are parents and they're also, am I I right? They're inventors. Yep, yeah, these are people who are on the forefront. Um, People like Chamath Palapapatiya, it's a... You nailed Hard it. Hard nailed, nailed it. People like Sean Parker, people who are in, intricately involved in the Facebook creation, and so I think and it's also important to recognize that we, because we're parents, we kind of frame it in the in the conversation of parents. But even as a parent, I, as a grown up, I need to understand how social media is designed to capture not only my kids' interests but my interest as an adult as well. Um, and so Chamath. Palahapitiya, I said that one better, but he is—he was the VP of user engagement at, at the early days of Facebook, and you might have seen his clip on YouTube. Vice President of User Engagement. Yeah, so his goal He's was in to, charge of engagement. Yeah, so he's trying to like grow the user experience and grow the wow. user base, and this is a, it's a quote he did from an interview in, uh, on the Stanford campus. He was talking to all the, the future Silicon Valley people, mm. and he, this is a quote. He says, we have literally, referring to social media, he says, we have literally created the tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. That is truly where we are. Mm. Yeah, so kind of middle ground, you know what I mean? Oh, man. <laughs> so ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. He also said, if you feed the beast, that beast will destroy you. Um, Sean Parker, who was the former president of Facebook, in another interview, he says that Facebook and social media in general is designed to exploit the vulnerabilities in human psychology with the goal. This comes from the social dilemma. He says social media starts to dig deeper and deeper into the brainstem and take over kids sense of self and identity. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm watching social media and then in my own laid back way, having a mild panic attack (laughs) over him saying that, it is built to dig into the brainstem and take over the sense of self and identity. Yeah, when I hear quotes like this from the people who created it. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I immediately start thinking, I just got to burn it all down. Like, I know. Get, throw everything I have into the fire um, and never go on it again. So, you know, I heard, and you may not know this, um, you may not remember this, but I heard that these creators eventually go on in this documentary to say, that they nor their kids are on social media. Yeah. Chamath specifically says, they ask him, do you let your kids use it? And he goes, no, I do not let my my kids use it. He said, I don't use it and I don't let my kids use it. So, and again, so Sean Parker specifically, or in Social Dilemma, he specifically talks about kids and and Chamath talks about kids, but this is not just for kids. It's specifically, it's it's for everybody. But kids are more susceptible because they don't have the, their brains are still developing their their sense of identity and self is still kind of being constructed and they don't have the mental framework to defend themselves against the this army of psychologists and social engineering people to who who are constructing these perfect things to to kind of like they said take over your kid's sense of self so so here's how i'm looking at this dialogue that we're having um and it's this way that i'm trying to think through this as it relates to helping myself how do i think through this yep but I have in view my responsibility to th- have these same 
um, cautions or convictions for my kids right. because I believe that they need me to help decide those things for right. them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so as believers, it's like, okay, well, we start with understanding how it was constructed, a lot of these things that these these guys are saying. But then also, so it's like my kids, my friends, my family, whatever circles I have, how do I help grow awareness and help specifically I have ownership over my kids, but right. also my friends and my extended family. And how do I, how do I be the one who helps them understand, okay, well, this is what they're trying to do to you. Wow. And so what, th- yeah. what, what do they say are the reasons for that? The reasons for, for, I mean, basically, um, Shamath says that he is out on, social media because right. of its impact on the kid's self and identity or uh, what are we learning about what social media is doing yeah. to us yeah it's it's so there's some there's some studies that have come out about what it is actually doing and the harm that it's causing um, because there is there is and we, we there are some people who say well it is just a tool right it's it's a tool that you can engage but the American Psychological Association did a, a longitudinal study for 2005 to 2017, and they studied mm. um, adolescents and the the people who we've just described who are primarily using um, social media, and they described some of the harm that it's being caused. And they said there's a 52% increase from 2005 to 2017, 52% increase in the symptoms of major depression in adolescents, which brings it to a total of 13.2% of all adolescents have symptoms of major depression. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, the same thing for adults age 18 to 25, 62% increase in the symptoms of major depression coming to the same number of 13.2%. So again, 13.2% of adolescents and young adults age 18 to 25 have symptoms of major depression, right? And you might say, well, there's a lot of different things that contribute to that. But they specifically said in their study, they said they found no significant change in older adults during that corresponding oh, time. So it's not what's happening in our culture. That's right. It's not It's not across the board. They said this spike is, they surmise that it's a spike in anxiety and depression um, yeah. likened to the cultural sh- or linked to the cultural shift that social media has fostered through constant interaction, access to live streams and others' lives and trending content. So they have identified social media as the primary contributor to a significant, a 50 and 60% rise of major depression. Now I noticed that you said, because you've repeated it several times, I'm sure on purpose, but you didn't say increase in stress. You didn't say, symptoms of anxiety right right that's already there right our yeah. kids are already <laughs> suffering from right. stress and anxiety but major depression yeah it, it and i'm not a clinical psychologist so i don't even necessarily know what the symptoms of major depression are but yes i mean there are anecdotal things like anxiety and stress and yeah. stuff like that but major depression that's pretty shocking yeah it really is so when we when we look at this when we look at the the disclosures of the people who created these these right. environments connected to the the measured impact and the measured harm that's being created the question then becomes like is it is it redeemable yeah. can we go should we even venture in there or should we encourage people to venture in there knowing that the whole system is designed to capture your identity and dig down into your brainstem right. and change your sense of self and identity, right? And so turn your view, your eyeballs into monetary gain. That's right. Them. It's created for consuming engagement. And obviously to the degree in which that's happening, there is a withdrawal from in-person engagement, right? And from my view, there's a withdrawal from noticing and adoring God, his creation outside of whatever's in that screen. Right. right? I mean, yep. yeah. And so you're looking, you're you're engaging your your life in a in a reality that is shaped and curated by each other. You're presenting a life that may not be accurate, and then you're also consuming a life of other people that may not be accurate. And so, um, yeah, we're missing. It's it feels as though there is a there's a there's the potential to miss a level of in person interpersonal engagement, and then also, like you said noticing and adoring the creator yeah. of and experiencing the reality of the beauty of the world that we like, exist in. So Yeah. And of course we don't mean 
someone can't see it and enjoy it on a screen. Right. But right. we mean immersion, feeling the feels, experiencing. Right. I mean, yeah. And so the the problem is we have a, as Christians, we have a choice. We got to decide what do we do with this. We know how why it was designed. Mm-hmm. We know that we know the outcomes of it. But like we said, we also know that God calls us to go be missionaries to the place where people are, regardless of mm-hmm. what that kind of looks like. Right? right? We don't we don't not go to hostile places in the world because we could potentially get killed for our faith as missionaries. No, we 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 encourage that. But do we? also take that same approach to social media and venture in right. to be with the people for the people. Wait, no, that's a different, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we, uh, the people, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but do we, do we, is that something that we, that we, that we move towards or is it just to the odds stacked against us so much that it's irredeemable? Yeah. Because if you go in there to consume it, for reaching, quote-unquote, reaching the people, right, where the culture's at, being a part of the culture, engagement in healthy ways, it's very possible that without knowing it, we aren't consuming it. It's consuming us. Yep. Right. Um, Yeah. And the the statement by Chamath is that if you feed the beast, the beast will destroy you. And... And the beast being engagement. Yeah, the beast being, if you feed that beast, if you if you feed the beast of social media with your engagement, then the beast will destroy you. Mm. Um, and so are, are, are we positioned well enough to be able to venture in there and, and reject the intoxication and the addictiveness similar to a, an addictive narcotic and right. the, the leveraging of all of our heart idols that occurs on social media for the sake of the good news of Jesus and reaching people, or do we call people out of it? Yeah. I even think about the value of, because when you think about like reaching people on social media, the only thing that comes to my mind are, is these um, somewhat surfacey, trite um, memes. But I think of the value of social media as literally being with the people who are together on social media. There's a presence power to it, right? There's a, um, you're here, you're present, you're visible, your voice is being heard, you're participating in the engagement of people sharing family photos and uh, birthdays and so on. So there is a part of me that thinks about um, being relevantly engaged in people's lives because that's where a lot of people are living or are we making, is there more value in making ourselves completely, or or I should say, or do we run the risk of making ourselves completely irrelevant by not wholeheartedly engagement? Do we disappear off the map the way that churches disappeared off the map who decided they didn't want to do a website? Right. Yeah. Do we, and, are and we it, the old guy shaking a stick at the kids on the exactly. lawn saying, get on my lawn? What exactly. are you doing, you, you yeah. dumb next generation? Exactly. Hunter? And if you think about that in terms of churches, there was an era when every church was being basically um, challenged to get a website and get on the Internet. That's right. how you will be found, right? right? And no doubt there was a generation of people who were leading churches who said, look at We've been fine all these years without it. We're going to be fine in the future without it. Um, and I would dare say that if you're a church without a website, I don't know if that even exists now. Right. But if you are, you have vanished from public view. If someone wanted to find you, wanted to you know, find directions or ask any questions or whatever, you know, if you do a search on the Internet and someone in a church doesn't have it. So the question is, is that what happens to me if I withdraw from right. social media? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and so that's, and I don't know, we, we, you and I don't think in either or, right? It's not necessarily either or, but it's right. maybe how do we do, how do we approach it in a way of saying we can't, can we approach it and engage social media aware? We just start with aware, awareness, right? We said, we, <laughs> I'm aware of how it's designed and what it's meant to do. While also saying, I'm on here because I like seeing friends of my family and right. connecting to, 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 to photos and, and people that I, ha- that I don't have geographic proximity to. Um, that's, where I, that's what I like to do. Right? Yeah, and this, this sets us up perfect, you and I think, for our transformation segment, right, where we just translated the culture. What does it mean? What's the problem? Why is there a conflict? Why is this even an issue that we're, it's worth talking about? And then, then the next segment, which is basically 
how do we change the way we look at it right. or do we address the way we look at look at it as people who have a worldview that has been offered to us by the creator of the universe in other words what does he think about this right what do, is there is there any way to transform this um, uh, particular cultural phenomenon and I know that I would start here. I would start with this. We have to start by looking at it. We have to step step back, take a big, deep breath, and look at social media as a thing mm-hmm. that we have to make a decision about. Right. In other words, I don't think that anyone survives it if they're in the fast-moving current of social media and never ask themselves, is this current going somewhere? Right. Is this moving? Right. So, um, you know, and I would, and I would, I even kind of have this impulse to say that perhaps one of the things that's, one of the only things worse than always using social media is never thinking about how you're looking at social media. Hmm. I think that's probably worse than using this. You never think about you're using it. Right. Yeah. Um, So the question then becomes when I'm looking at it, what is the proper place to put it? Right. What category does it fit in? Right. How should I analyze it? Right. right. How do I add a level of intention to, yes. to what I'm doing and not just be yes. a, a mindless consumer? Exactly. Right exactly. That's that's a perfect way to say it. Andy Crouch says a lot about this. He's got a book called Tech Wise Family. Um, very thoughtful, very intentional. Here's what he says. But I do know this. If we don't learn to put technology in all its forms, not just social media, in its proper place, we will miss out on many of the best parts of life in a family. As our children leave high school, he says this is about his own life. As, as our children leave high school, we realize how much of the joy that we've experienced along the way and know today has come from the radical choices and commitments we made to keep technology in its proper place. And of course, one of the things I, I like about this quote is he doesn't say the, the, the commitments we made to keep technology out of our lives, right? Yeah. right? Or out of our home. Right. He says that we have made these commitments, these radical choices to keep technology in its proper right. place. I think there is a, a, I love the, the fact that he includes the word radical mm. because yeah. As a child of the '80s, I love it. But uh, as a teenage mutant ninja turtle fan, but um, but the idea that that to exactly what you're talking about is the idea that even to look at how we use social media and be intentional about it is in itself just a totally radical, different way of looking at it, as opposed to the 1.6 billion people who are using Facebook on an everyday basis for an hour. How many of them are? intentionally looking at how they yeah. are using it and it's it is a radical thing to think to actually uh, critically deconstruct how it is i'm actually yeah. viewing it so yeah you know i'd like to i'd like to also make these this observation yon i believe most people have it's likely that people have thought about what am i going to do with this social media what is it doing to me you know, I hear people talking about it and so on and so forth. And they want to make radical choices or they realize that it would have to be a radical choice. But I would be willing to bet that that most people feel like there's no possible solution. In other words, this current is moving so fast, there's no chance to actually swim upstream, get out of the water, um, I believe that probably most people feel like, especially if you've got kids, teenage kids, right. you literally have just surrendered at one point to say, all right, now I'm going to fight a different battle because right. there's no way to win this battle. And even if I make radical choices, um, I'm just not up for the fight that it's going to create with my right. kids. It's an ongoing, almost never ending. That's right. And it's framed in a way that your kids would say, you're literally ruining my life. Yep. And so you, exactly you have to right. stand on a commitment that it's hard to substantiate to someone who wants to, to yeah. use it, right? It's it's not like, don't do drugs. Yeah, it actually sounds like uh, you'd have to say, kids, we're not using social media, and also we're Amish. From, from now on, that's we're right. Amish. Yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> how it sounds. we carriage. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, 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 um, so you have to start by looking at it. That's where I would start. And then 
the second question that I think has to be addressed squarely and answered, and you've alluded to this from the beginning in the in the translation part of our of our culture and our and our problem is this: is social media an evil trap, or is it? Could it be a useful tool? Right. So trap or a tool, which is it? Right. Um, and of course, there's a really good uh, possibility that there is some biblical principle or a biblical guideline right. it'll be a principle or guideline obviously not anything specific no uh, nothing in leviticus <laughs> about the usage of facebook on the i Sabbath. know Darn i know it. i've looked um so uh and 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 one of the one of the ways that it's um described uh or thought of is is it an evil trap Right, and there are some traps that you can come across, and people have written about this, and some of which, some of what has been written, is things like this: like social media is a whole list of traps. Hmm. Um, and I'll and I'll buzz right through these. Um, some have written that social media is a coveting trap; it traps you into coveting someone else's influence, success, their social media capital, what they have, and so on, or a venting trap um just gives it just traps you into expressing right. these venting you know yeah. what what does it say rant over type yeah. of it gives everybody a platform just to say whatever it is you right. want and right. your frustration right so. um or it's a discontentment trap that it's easy to compare your reality to someone else and then all of a sudden you feel this overwhelming sense of discontentment yep things yeah. were fine yep. you know the irony being that it's not reality yeah definitely. yeah yeah i'm i'm not content with my reality because of someone else's pseudo yeah. pseudo reality exactly uh the time trap that's got to be a huge one right um some people report that the average american spends three and a half hours a day on a variety of social yeah. media yeah all together i believe it three and a half hours a day thank this, god for that apple time that iphone time thing that's right tells me where i waste my life away and yep. makes me it doesn't shut it down so you don't right, it just yeah. says hey fool yep yo dummy the secrecy isn't it the yo dummy app is that a thing no there's your million dollar idea right there <laughs> boom you're welcome oh uh, anyway so then there's the distraction trap right just just uh, the trap of being distracted from building meaningful and engaging real life experiences and relationships and you know, I would sound like a total grandpa if I went into how often we all see someone missing the moment because it's being documented on their phone or for yeah. social media posts or whatever. And I don't want to, yeah. you know, start ranting about sure. that, but that's that's heart-wrenching to yeah. see. It's heartbreaking when, and everyone I'm sure has experienced this. If you haven't, you might be the person staring at your phone. But if you're in a restaurant going out to eat and you're watching a couple or a, or a, a family. family and yeah. everyone is sitting at the same table uh, looking at their phone and which is, I mean, it's okay in some, if it sparks a conversation saying, look at this neat thing I found. But for the most part, I'm looking at, at families and they're just staring at their phone and there's no conversation, even though they're, they're sitting at a table across from each other. And it's, it is a, it's pretty heartbreaking. That's a valid observation, grandpa. You're welcome. How also, dare they? Also, also, um, Lastly, the endorsement trap, right, which is anything and everything I like or retweet or share is really a reflection of what we're endorsing. So um, that's that all that stuff is is so um, yeah. important. You've also got the secrecy trap. Social media is a is a conducive or a conduit to uh, ensnaring someone in private secret mm-hmm. um, aspects of we'll call it you know, in the Christian worldview, sin, and it's forever and always secret because yep. it's anonymous, yep. semi-anonymous. Yep. It's a, so there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of traps, right? And so the question is, is it a, right, is it an unavoidable trap mm. where you, where you just walk in and are, it's so, it's so perfectly created to, to ensnare us. Yeah, especially if there's like hits of dopamine, yeah. you know, in that brainstem that those original creators talk about appealing to that part right. of the brainstem that's that's got this impulse or this pulse of pleasure. Yeah. And and that's the And so can the trap be avoided if it is a combination of the biological and the psycho the psycho Ecological. That's what yep. I'm looking for. Yeah. So the way that my brain stem and my brain functions, but also the way that my mental yes. cognitive and my right. development creates. But then also there's the added layer of 
the idea of our brokenness in terms of yeah. idleness and idolatry. Exactly. That, that yeah. most of the APA is not going to do a study no. on it, and they're not going to, and the the guy the creators of Facebook aren't going to leverage people's spiritual heart idol, right. idols. But as Christians, this is something we need to. That is to so. Pay that's to. exactly true. So think of this: the APA and the creators and inventors of this product have the emotional, mental consequences have been measured and and have been reported right but as a believer someone who is turning not to the apa and the originators for their real worldview as a believer you turn to the scripture and the scripture says that who you are really kind of surges out of your heart yeah so we're more concerned about something like this does social media make us prone or does it generate more idleness and idolatry because those are heart questions? Right. It's not less to do with the brainstem and my psychology and the sociology, but the brokenness of sin leveraging the idolatry yes, of my heart. Yes, exactly. So. so does social media appeal and generate, appeal to and generate more idleness in my heart? Or does it appeal to and generate more idolatry? And so if we start with idleness, right, that basically means, idle means lack of productivity. It means lack of engagement in God's mission or lack of engagement maybe in uh, as a worshiper. Does social media use or overuse or the overuse of it distract me from my God-given purpose of being a worshiper, right? So is it making me idle in the area of, having awe of God's beauty, power, his nature, spending time in prayer, conversation with him? Uh, Does it distract me from flourishing to go and show Jesus to bear the image of God in my life? Um, Or is it distracting me and causing me to idle, be idle as someone who should be living and giving in my faith family? with self-sacrificing love and otherness, you know, or a focus on other people, does it just hold on to me and generate all this idleness in my heart where it, it literally brings my life of obedience and my life of worship to a stop? Yeah. And that's, I think, when we think of the, I, the this whole concept and the idea of time, right? The only non-renewable resource oh, in our lives yeah, is so, time, yes. right? And everything is a trade-off. The more time we spend in the social media world, the less time we spend doing something else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we're not worshiping or we're not flourishing or we're not giving. Right. But it, there, based on everything that we know about social media and all the traps, there's a good possibility that it does mean that we're trading our time that we should be worshiping, flourishing, giving for consuming. Limited time. Correct. Right. Limited time. Limited time. Time that is so fleeting. The Bible talks about redeem the time because the days are evil and it's going to end soon. (laughs) Right. And if you look at, if you were to do the math in your head about the 24 hour day and how much time you spend sleeping, how much time you do like sleeping, like going to the bathroom and then Work. work and then, okay, add on the other things like spending on social media. Even if you were at, even if you're at the Facebook thing of one hour a day. If you add on that seven hours of sleep, maybe an hour when you're going to the bathroom, you're, I mean, you're almost at 10 hours of your 24, eight hours of work. Now you're at 18 hours and you're like that, that time runs out really, really quickly. Mm. And so the question then becomes, is it worth the trade off? Am I, am I being distracted? What I'm gaining, right? Is it worth what I'm losing? Exactly. Yeah. That's a good question. So, so that's one thing that, that social media as a trap could be generating, right? It's generating idleness, but also idolatry, which basically means disordered loves. Does my social media use or overuse reveal my idols? Does it stir up my idols, my disordered loves, or my what the scripture would describe as carnal character, right? The, the, the feeding and the consuming in my quote-unquote flesh. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, like, is it generating and stirring up envy and greed? Uh, or even this idea like... F- f- this recent come to the surface idea of exhibitionism or voyeurism, right. right? That I'm, that I'm showing off too much of my life or I'm, or I'm viewing and looking into too much of someone else's life. Right. So, uh, obviously there's some, there's some potential disordered loves there, uh, vanity or self-absorption, 
Um, and that could probably be characterized kind of in a cliche way as the selfie um, sure. type of um, right. of culture. Or materialism and lust. All of these are, are hard idols that we worship or we turn to for comfort. We turn to for um, pleasure. Uh, an idol would be something that we adore, that we need, that we that, that saves us and comforts us instead of God. It replaces right. God, right? So is it possible that God in our hearts is being replaced by social media and it's generating more materialism? Lust would be the desire for something more than you're entitled to. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, or, or is it even generating self-righteousness? Right. Are you appealing to your self-righteousness? Right. Are you going on there and judging, judging everybody, everybody else's exactly. exhibition and voyeurism and vanity exactly. and <laughs> while you're voyeuring? Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, and then you've got addiction and laziness that we talked about with idleness or, or just general, again, discontentment shows up. So, so, Idleness and idolatry is worth considering when you're looking at categorizing what happens when you don't make any decision. Is there the trap of one of those things that right. are that are grabbing right. a hold of you? And when it comes to the idolatry thing, it, it is a when I when I started looking at my life through the lens of oh well everything's a this is this is an idol issue where mm-hmm. Christ is not the ultimate thing in my life. Mm-hmm. I have su- replaced him with something that has been created right and. and that you we start realizing the the sneakiness and the insidiousness of the of of sin making other things the ultimate thing in my yeah. heart and you don't mean the other thing you're making those other things enjoyable right yeah exactly so I, you I, mean you're making those other things ultimate that's right yeah if you don't have them you can't live you can't be happy you can't have joy right. exactly yeah. yes and so that's what my I start living for and right and it's just so when you look back, you're like, oh my, how did that happen, yeah. right? But when you add that into the the world of social media and you add all the different layers of, okay, well, there's the sinfulness of idolatry and how sneaky that is on top of the, the way it's constructed to really leverage all of these idols and to and create engagement and keep your heart or keep your mind and your eyes glued to that stuff, it, it becomes, I don't know how it's possible to, to engage social media and be yeah and say well no it's fine i'm I fine know, right i know we'll get to that i think will we yeah i think we'll get to that i don't mean in the future i mean in a few minutes in the next couple of <laughs> yeah. podcasts so join us next oh. no i mean in the next few minutes on this podcast because there there it is it we, we clearly can't leave it there without bailing out completely um in asking the question, is there a way that we can face this? Sure. Is there a way that a Christian who has been given everything pertaining to life and godliness, meaning the scripture, is there anything that uh, we can do, really a biblical guideline or a principle that's going to help us navigate it? And really, I think it's helpful to think of social media in terms of a disputable matter. That's something that you might find in the book of Romans there at the end of the uh, uh, towards the end of the book, Paul is talking about gray matters, matters that believers are engaged in that aren't necessarily black and white, sinful sure. or not. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's it's a disputable matter that is not um, defined biblically as something sinful to be rejected and renounced. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 First Corinthians chapter ten, Paul says he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, "Well, you say." I'm allowed to do anything. But then Paul says, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, meaning I have freedom, mm-hmm. right? It's not condemned. It's not a sin. It's not black right. and white. But then Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. And there are some translations that say, you say everything is permissible, right? Right. But Paul follows that up with saying, but there's bigger biblical wisdom when you recognize, sure, it may be permissible, but the better question is, is it beneficial? Right. Does it help you uh, with your purpose, your identity, your your mission in life, uh, and so on? So, so does that does that social media? Yeah, yeah. Should should we reject or redeem social media? Um, and really, it, it you might consider it. You might think of it this way: Could social media be recategorized from a trap to a tool? Hmm. Is it a tool? Could it be a tool, not primarily 
a trap. And I think that the people who do use it as a tool are tr- are looking for ways to moderate it, right? So so we look at it as something that has to be moderated or used in moderation rather than condemning it. Sure. And and I think it it it's a reasonable comparison to like adult beverages, hmm. right? The scripture doesn't condemn them, but you are given guidelines that they should be moderated in a way that avoids drunkenness. Sure. Um, so that's one way, certainly, to consider it. Um, and the other, the other metaphor that I think is a reasonable comparison is money. Right? Money. We would say that money is not good, and money is not evil. Right. Rather, money is a tool that right. can be used for good or evil. And if you are a generous person and God somehow sees fit to um, bring wealth to you, that wealth becomes a tool to lift other people up, to provide for them, to bring glory to God by being generous, representing his generosity to us. You help people with it, right? right. Yep. So, so then is social media something in which can be leveraged or a tool to be used, I should say? Uh, to express care for people, to love people. Are there people I'm able to love through social media that I would never be able to love? Now, I, I use the word love loosely because sure. love would be, right, it would be self-sacrificing, elevating right. someone else's needs uh, and desires above your own. I don't know how you do that on social media, but right. is it a source of encouragement and, and a source of connection and a source of, uh, um, I think, joy for loving people through social media? Or here's another question. I mean, this would this would I think for some of our audience would would resonate even more. Can I use social media to create things more than I do consume things? Right. Is it possible that it's a tool for creating right. music, art, digital design? My future um, NFT. T. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this guy. So investing in NFTs. Yeah. So um, so. Yeah, Does, can you create stuff? Yeah, I mean, is it a, is it a way to enhance and live out our identity as, yeah. as creators? That and it's a platform that that helps point people to the creator by the things that we focus and platform as creators. Exactly, exactly. It does it give me an easy way to generate things as a maker or creator, or again to publicly or privately love people, stay connected to the loved ones I've never otherwise seen or heard from. So it can be, it seems, leveraged as a tool. Um, And, I mean, it also goes, again, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, Paul says, don't be concerned for your own good, but when you're dealing with disputable matters, be concerned for the good of others. Is Is this a way in which what I'm thinking through, this element of culture or whatever, this tool or a trap think about how it could be good for other people more than whether or not it's something that you uh, like or don't like. It's almost like the plethora of tools that we use that if used incorrectly, for example, like a chainsaw, right? You can cut down a tree and then you can use that tree to build some beautiful Mm -hmm. wood. You can build beautiful things out of it, but it's a tool in that if you misuse your chainsaw, you cut your leg off and you do irreparable harm to yourself. You say, well, how do I how do I use the tool correctly in, in aware of the dangers of it and also the way that it's supposed to be used, at least from our perspective, and use it to help create things, to build other people's platforms, to live selflessly, love people. Yeah, um, that's why I think that's exactly right. And I think that's why it's so critical for us to step back, stand back, and be very careful to give it a category. Right. What is it? What is it? Where is the place for this in my life or in our culture and there are those who reject it right they don't use it like a tool they're rejecting it as if it is a trap and one of the reasons is because of its highly addictive nature that it literally they would say it's an idle factory it cannot be moderated don't right. you don't tell me about how it could be moderated like an adult beverage or like a chainsaw or like money right. it's not it is uh, and, and it actually reminds me of how i feel when i'm on instagram which is literally never now but when i'm on instagram i suddenly realize or discover i should say yon what i need 
I am right? so content in my life with my physical fitness. I'm content with my home. I'm content with my friends, family, loved ones, where I live, how I live. Yep. Until I'm on Instagram for five minutes. And all of a sudden I am, you know, maybe using the word gripped is too strong, but I'm pretty overwhelmed with discontentment. Yep. I should be traveling more. Right. I should be adventuring more. I should be a better dad. I guess that wouldn't be discontentment. That would be maybe a fact. Right. Um, but um, contentment that I have until I'm in the idle factory, yeah. right? Yeah. So one of the things that I do is I watch, I'm, I'm a big soccer fan, right? So I'm watching my, it's the soccer game. And every time the soccer team performs poorly or even, you know, SU or something like that, I'm like, so I default to like, what are you, if the guys specifically, if they're not like working hard, I'm like, what are they doing? And I'm like so angry and I go to Twitter just because I'm not going to tweet anything, but I go and I find the other people who have tweeted the same thing that I would have. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, good. Yeah, so Someone said it. They're ranting for you yes, in your voice. for me, yeah. exactly. So I'm like, I'm like, it's just very bizarre how that works where I'm just, I, I would be the outrage machine on, on social media, but other people are doing it for me. So I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, it's weird. It's weird how that works. It really is. And so, so for parents, you know, when you think about rejecting this as a trap more than it is a tool, I think there are parents who would say that I see this more as a highly addictive idol factory similar to an opiate, right? So, Imagine, you know, your kids are pressuring you, and, and I think every parent who has children that are growing up as Generation Z has felt the pressure of, I don't want my kid to be the only kid on the planet who doesn't have a social media account, isn't right. using their device to connect and be a part of what's happening in their friendship circles, and so on. So I don't want my kid to be right. that Amish kid right. in the middle of yeah. a... of a And the, the way the kids react, it they make you feel like it's a deeply yeah. traumatizing yeah. event. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're ruining my life. Yeah. And, and, uh, they don't mince words. Right. So so if it's a tool, uh, you know, again, back to the opiate metaphor, right? If it's a tool, it helps manage pain. Right. But if it's a trap, it helps ruin your life. Right. So, so you know, you, I don't know that there's a lot of people who would say, hey, kids, I don't want you to be the only kid in school who isn't using an opiate. Right. So your mom and I have talked through this and we have spent a little money and I got you this. And then you hand them a, a little pocket-sized bag of methamphetamine and you say to them, don't use too much. Yeah. Have fun. Don't yeah. use too much, okay? Yeah. So it's it's what if that is the equivalent of what's happening when we give our kids a phone? I'm just asking. I'm not I'm not preaching this or trying sure. to persuade anybody, but what if those people who reject right. social media, in particular for our kids, you know, in this particular example, what if those people are simply saying, I can't give my kid a small bag of opiate right. and then say, hey, don't overdo it. Right. Because of the addictive nature of it, it's it's inconceivable that anybody would find that reasonable. Right. Yep. And I think, okay, if that's the way I would approach my child, then I, I kind of expand it. I'm like, okay, well, if my if I wouldn't give it to my kid, why the heck am I using it? Like, yeah. like as if there's a level of arrogance saying, oh, well, my kid can't use it, which I would agree that they probably can't. They don't have right. the mental, you know, all the things going on in their brain, all that stuff. It, they don't have the, the mental defenses to kind of yeah. recognize things. But then I go to myself, I'm like, no, no, I got it. As if right. as if the creators of, of Facebook and social media, as if they don't have a team of world-class neuroscientists who who are pretty good at, hitting my own the the adult yeah. head the adult mind the the brainstem of me me the grown up but also the heart idols that i have as well as if as if my heart idols That's go right. away when i when i transition from a 17 to an 18 year old oh i'm an adult yep. now so now my heart idols are no longer a thing it just when i when i expand it to myself i think man well, there seems to be a level of arrogance in there that thinks that oh i can just yeah. i can take a bag of opiates and That's right. take I'll manage yeah exactly so yeah opiates uh, methamphetamine in moderation Yep, for I'm fine. For, yep. for, for, uh, yeah. I'm an adult, I can handle it. For the adults, yeah. right. And so if, again, those who are rejecting it would also say, if you think of it in terms of money, it would be similar to greedy people who are manipulating other people in order to get it, right? Or, or, or we learn in the scriptures that it's not money that is evil. 
it is the love of money right. that's the root of all evil. So, so people who would reject it would say it has a highly addictive idol, and it's like an idol factory. It can't be moderated. It cannot be managed. It is, in fact, become something that you love that is similar to money in that it's a root of all evil. So, um, and then you know, some some would say, and I've seen this, I've come across this in my in my reading over over time. Uh, someone was writing. Um, about social media and comparing it to, uh, or or saying you've got to ask yourself two questions: Am I using social media to love people, or is it is my use of social media primarily to leverage people? Well, what does that mean? That means right. using people. Um, um, you know, and here Scripture says, if you be, if you're a believer, you know, one of the evidences of the, that you belong to me is that you will love people and that you will serve people. But social media could certainly be used as a in the form of a trap where it's primarily to leverage people. Leveraging looks for ways for other people to serve me, right? I need you to like it, follow it, share it, subscribe it, so on. That you are just a commodity. I'm right. a consuming you, mm-hmm. and you're going to elevate my platform, my status. You're going to elevate my follows. You're going to elevate every all the right. social media capital that I'm trying to collect. You're just a tool right. to to um in my in my scheme. So. And so if we, as a, as a follower of Christ, we're going to engage in as a tool, as opposed to the trap, it's, it looks like building other people's platforms. It looks like um, highlighting other people, loving other people and, and less about leveraging them for our own followers and our own social media capital, right. but building and contributing to theirs out of a sake for loving them, not necessarily yeah. just to to but build their platform. That's exactly right. But that, but the level of self-awareness that's got to be. Yeah, I mean, you got to be tuned in twenty four seven as to how this is being used as a tool, rather than trapping you in leveraging people. Yep. And then I always ask myself, well, by building someone else's platform, am I helping them leverage right. their own <laughs> right. heart idols? And that's a whole other thing that yep. you can't necessarily worry about what other people what's going on in their hearts, but we worry about ourselves. Yeah. So. Well, so so the the bottom line, this is where I land. The, the very, very top number one urgent priority is to put it in a place, put social media in a place, categorize it, be very clear-minded about what it is you're using it for, and also be very clear-minded about what it is. It's a highly addictive identity shaper and idolatry factor, right? And, and what we've learned is and it, it quite possibly, quite likely is an irreversible identity shaper. Uh, supreme time waster, shortcut path to abuse and addiction. Um, and at the same time, uh, you have to be, I think, very, very clear-minded, urgent, and prioritized and intentional in how it's used. And it reminds me that Paul, the apostle, in writing to the, the church at Corinth, he doesn't say these things that are disputable matters or gray areas just condemn them, reject them, get rid of them all, purge them all from your life. Instead, he says, so whether you eat or whether you drink, if you're doing any of these gray areas, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Right. Which would be his way of saying everything on earth is good that's been created by God. It's good and, and should be redeemed. Yep. It should be used wisely. So, And as we go, one of the best things about what God is doing is that he doesn't leave us alone to try to figure out what's going on in our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit who is continually pointing our hearts to Jesus and helping us see where it is that we are, things that we are not doing for ultimately for the glory of God. And so we don't have to, if we, if we take this approach and say, I'm going to look at social media with open eyes, I'm going to put it in its place and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the things that are going on in my heart and what's happening in my, when I engage social media I think that's. I think it, it becomes not only a tool to build other people's platforms and love people, but it becomes a tool to help shape our hearts to become more like Christ and say, well, what is, what are the things that my heart are actually pursuing? Because they get they're easily revealed when I engage in social media, and the Holy Spirit will help us kind of reveal. Yeah, them. and I think you hit on something important there, Yon. How is that going to happen? How are we going to hear those things outside of silence and solitude right. with no? media or device stimulus right so 
<laughs> that leaves you again having to make a decision. What am I going to do with it? And is it always going to be filling my brain? Am I always going to be in the current being swept downstream? Or am I going to get out of the current, go silent, solitude, and listen and write and worship and read and, and, other, uh, and do other things in order to continue to see it clearly? Yep. Yeah. So there you go. We solved we, it. We solved it. Yeah, you're welcome. So follow us on all of our social media accounts yep. and comment and Don't like, forget subscribe, to link, yeah. and yes, all of those wonderful things. <laughs> We're such hypocrites. hypocrites exactly. <laughs> Disgusting. But it's the, at the end, of the end of the episode, so you had to listen to the whole thing to get to our hypocrisy. But now is the big part that we all want to know. How do I become a millionaire in 24 hours or less? And Pastor Dan's going to tell us specifically... We mentioned, we started the whole episode by mentioning a non-fungible token, which is what, it's essentially a kind of a bit of cryptocurrency, and Bitcoin is trending pretty heavily uh, these days in terms of personal investments and potentially institutional investments, and what there's a whole world of cryptocurrency, if you have ever recently been introduced to, and it, um, speaking of dopamine hits. I was just recently shopping for a vehicle on Craigslist and came across a, a a vehicle that someone was selling and they were willing to they were willing to sell it for two bitcoin which i thought two that's, that's nothing that, that's it's 110 that's less dollars. than five yeah yeah, yeah right <laughs> so and even the oakland athletics are you can buy a whole a whole a season's worth of one luxury box for one bitcoin which is normally cost you sixty eight thousand dollars but right. it's currently valued for fifty five thousand dollars so it's a. It's not going anywhere. But that we were thought it'd be a little bit of fun to ask Pastor Dan whether or not he himself invests in more traditional, or does he include the currency of the future in his investment portfolio? Yeah, that's a great question, and I can assure you that I am going to wait to invest in cryptocurrency until it's absolutely too late that i can assure you that it'll be so full of regret i can i can assure you the minute i go in is it's it's a minute too late right but you have you're currently invested in yeah yeah i got on the um on the little um excitement over dogecoin i did not buy it at a penny no a share i bought it at five cents a share so if uh like the uh spirit of the, it, just like the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear one day, it will be a dollar mm. a share. Wow. I will be, again, I will be, be I will be set up for at least six months. That's right. Yeah, it, that was, that was all the rage a couple, well, it was about a month ago, maybe, and it was it's still kind of the, the hot, it's the people's coin, as Elon Musk would it say, is, but. Listen, here's what I did, Yon. I thought, how can I make a risky investment with no with no risk right that's yeah. all i did yeah that's all i did so really on the risky side um now risk is relative it, it's how you define sure. it right? right i think it's at this stage my preference would be to start seriously considered the possibility that it's a risk not to invest in cryptocurrency mm -hmm. yeah. that there's actually a greater risk that with blockchain internet and the securities that go along with that, with the identity and financial investment, it's quite possible that it's a greater risk not to invest yeah. there. So I've started my cryptocurrency uh, investment with baby steps. Right. Into there. the coin that is essentially <laughs> described as a joke. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But you're going to the moon, though, so that's good. So if you're, if you're a financial person listening, you're probably, we had a friend who asked this financial guy, and he said, "Well, if you do anything more than five percent, it's reckless." And so, yeah, yeah. it's a, see, it th could be a, reckless not yeah, to. It, it is. It is totally. I have found it is one hundred percent your risk aversion and kind of your your approach to security, mm -hmm. whether or not you you really. And I'm a massive risk. I, I'll just I'll jump. I'm all in on the cryptoverse, so I'll I'll buy all sorts of cryptocurrency just because I'm such a I'm such a nonconformist libertarian at heart that I'm like get out of the Decentral, get some decentralized right. finance, get the yeah. technology behind it, and all sorts of I stuff. I could see but, the value to that. Um, but, so I have a I have yeah. a secure traditional investment portfolio for retirement, mm -hmm. and I've, I'm slow. I'm watching it creep to sure. the point of almost no movement at all, mm -hmm. and I find cryptocurrency a very intriguing, very very crucial market to watch, investment strategy to watch. And not just watch, but 
start to uh, start to buy in. Well, there you go. This is not financial advice. We have Please. To put that disclaimer in yeah. there. What do we so, need to say to yep, make sure exactly. that this disclaimer is a... Yep. Um, so we would love to hear your thoughts on social media. Hit us, again, hit us up on social media about your thoughts on cryptocurrency. <laughs> Share and like and all that good stuff. Listen, and, listen. You know, one last thing. If they hit us up on social media, which of us would see it? I know that's a good question. <laughs> our people, we got people, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. We have to hire social media staff to watch our social media because right. we're blowing up. Well, thanks for joining us. Have a phenomenal whatever you're doing. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.